Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. So I watched my first uh, episode of Jeopardy in the post-Trebek era last night, and Ken Jennings was the host. But did you know that he almost did not get that job because of some controversial tweets in his past? What I'm thinking is, if Ken, and, if Ken Jennings isn't safe, I'm fucked. <laughs> Not necessarily because of my Twitter, but because of uh, certain recorded things that I've said over the past three years that you're not (laughs) supposed to say if you ever plan on running for public office or anything. Uh, But this is not a woke podcast. Welcome to season 10, episode 10 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... The man who shot Liberty Travalance. Okay. The Travados. Okay, I like that one. The good, the Trav, and the ugly. All right. It just could have been uh, Liberty Travis. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, the Octo Sean, a.k.a. Kansas City Sean Fidential, <laughs> a.k.a. the Yellow Seanahawk. <laughs> That's good. And in our third seat, welcoming back to the show, the Chop Shop Regulator, the Posse from Chell. Nice. A.K.A. the Grand Chell. A.K.A. the Good, the Bad, and the the Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, fucker. Yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, Well, I mean, better to be the third thing than the good and or the oh you should be the good never mind uh Mm -hmm. further description of the show the tagline says watch chop retrofit because essentially that's what we do here we watch older movies sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts but we're not actually in favor of remakes and reboots and all that shit uh this is more of an exercise in satire and irony We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. And that's going to bring us to our first segment tonight, which is going to be movie news. And this is where uh, throughout the period of time between episodes, we try to pay attention to stories that pertain to the world of cinema. And um, if, if it is related directly to something we've talked about on the show or remakes or reboots or things like that, uh, we'll mention that here. And unfortunately this week, we've got three heavy hitter RIPs. First, uh, Betty White passed away on New Year's Eve. So, um, I mean, there's nothing that you can say, uh, that would be funnier than what she would have said about it herself. You yep. know, you can, you only imagine. Um, I was, I was thinking that you guys should have put out one of those red roses on your lawn Aww. on new year's day. But, um, Betty Marion white Ludden was 99 years old, just 17 days away from her 100th birthday. Uh, she was a obviously best known for her role on the Golden Girls, but she was a player in Hollywood for like 70 years. Uh, she was early uh, in the role of a woman, both in front of and behind the camera. And in fact, she was the first woman to produce her own sitcom, which was um, pretty groundbreaking for the time. So once again, rest in peace and rest in power to Betty White. Uh, And then as of this recording, just yesterday, 
Peter Bogdanovich died. Peter Bogdanovich was the director of his best known works would be The Last Picture Show, uh, which I think, Chelsea, you saw that pretty yeah, recently, right? Just I did. this past year. And then also Paper Moon, yep. which I saw for the first time this past year. Uh, he also w- started out as a film critic and he was influenced by Orson Welles. And then Roger Corman gave him his first like big break, like he did with a lot of people. Yeah. And then he he himself influenced people like Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and so they had a, a thing on NPR this morning. They said he was a direct line from Orson Welles to Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Which was which is kind of a kind of a nice tribute, I thought. But rest in peace and rest in power to Peter Bogdanovich. And then just today, as of this recording, uh, Sidney Poitier, the great Sidney Poitier. He was uh, a, an amazing actor, a groundbreaking actor. He was the first actor to, or black actor to receive the Best Actor Academy Award. Um, also directed a few big films, as we've discussed here on the show. Um, he passed away today at the age of 94 I believe is that correct 94 years old um do we have a cause of death for him i didn't see it in the presser probably just natural causes right i read several uh different articles and they all seem to follow the same press release right so one thing that we of course rest in peace and rest in power to sydney portier as well but one thing that we can say is at the very least all three of these rips have been listed as natural causes you know they had what we call a good run. A good run. Yeah. All right, moving it along. Speaking of a good run, uh, Army Hammer just keeps getting movies canceled. <laughs> um, Taika Waititi's Next Goal Wins replaces Army Hammer with Will Arnett. The Social Network and Call Me By Your Name star was hit with multiple allegations of sexual abuse and assault last year. This has already led the actor to vacate his role on The Offer, a miniseries about the making of The Godfather. That will be on Paramount+. Plus. The un- these unsettling allegations have also cost, cast a dark cloud over a pair of films that Hammer worked on in 2019, but have not yet been released. According to Deadline, the Taika Waititi-directed movie originally featured Hammer in a cameo as an executive at the Football Federation of American Samoa. However, because Hammer, quote, wasn't available when Waititi did reshoots on the film, he's since been replaced by Arrested Development and BoJack Horseman actor Will Arnett. Thoughts? I love it. A fine replacement. So here's the here's the thing. If Will Arnett said something about some things about cannibalism, I bet people would think he was joking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, Jody Comer exits Ridley Scott's Napoleon drama Kit Bag. So Jody Comer also played the female lead in The Last Duel, which was directed by Ridley Scott as well. Jodie Comer's remain, excuse me, reteaming with Ridley Scott will have to wait. The actress, who is currently on the awards circuit for her role in Scott's The Last Duel, has dropped out of Kit Bag, the filmmaker's epic drama centered on French military leader Napoleon Bonaparte, which is set up at Apple TV. Actress Vanessa Kirby is reported to replace her, and Joaquin Phoenix remains aboard the Apple movie project. That's from The Hollywood Reporter. Next, Chris Evans will play Gene Kelly in a new film from Oscar-nominated writer John Logan. 
Since leaving behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2019, Chris Evans has taken on projects that tackle various other sides of his acting abilities. He's already got roles in an animated film, Lightyear, and the spy thriller The Gray Man all locked up. And it appears his next project might seem to tackle one of the most legendary icons in Hollywood history, Gene Kelly. Do you think that's a good casting? I Can don't, he dance? Yeah, that's kind of, that's going to be the deciding factor. You know who they should have gone with? Me. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Sam <laughs> Rockwell, yeah. <laughs> Not me. I can't dance. Uh, I, I will dance, but that doesn't mean I should. <laughs> That comes to us from the playlist. Next up from theguardian.com, Golden Globes 2022 will have no stars, red carpet, or TV show. Diversity and ethics scandals leave the ceremony without a network broadcaster or famous faces to broadcast after a film industry boycott. So that's um, the Hollywood Foreign Press's that's their award show right the hollywood foreign press so they're apparently in deep water next up oh this is some good news guys there's going to be more beavis and butthead soon (laughs) creator of the iconic animated television show beavis and butthead mike judge shared a view of what the duo would look like now in advance of a new movie on the paramount plus network says uh New episodes of Mike Judge's iconic, irreverent, brilliant, idiotic MTV cartoon, Beavis and Butthead, are in the works. Tuesday night, Judge gave a small but significant update. The revival is now being promoted as, quote, a brand new movie and more on Paramount Plus, rather than new episodes on Comedy Central. So that's another one of these shifts from cable to streamers. I think that uh, that's probably good news because there's he's never done anything I didn't like. Yeah. Like judge that is yeah. idiocracy come on office space king o the hill extract mm. extract is good that is from oh that was a that was a local link probably from the ap but that was on wpde.com Woo. <laughs> and then we've got one last story and this is one that you sent to me either last night or this morning sean rooney mara to play audrey hepburn on an Apple movie directed by Luca Guaranino. Uh, so, Chelsea, you've got thoughts. I think it's terrible. And? <laughs> I just, I think Rooney Mara is so cold and uh-huh. she is not a warm person. Okay. And it's very different than what you see when you watch Audrey Hepburn movies. I think it's a terrible casting. So, obviously, I think. Um, it goes without saying, and it's kind of the point of the show that nobody could replace somebody so iconic as Audrey Hepburn. But if you had to pick somebody, who would you who would you select? <sighs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. No, I mean off the top of my <laughs> head, that's hard. But like I said, Rooney Mara, she's she's maybe, just too uh, industrial to be her. Maybe her sister, no Mara Rooney, <clears throat> um, Mickey Rooney. The late Mickey <laughs> Rooney. <laughs> I thought that it, I didn't know you felt so strongly about it, but I, I think I said, good choice. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you said that. Gross. But uh, Sean, you also mentioned that there seems to be a lot of biopics either recently released or in the works. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I'm for. I, I like it. It remains to be seen. All right. That is going to 
finish this up on movie news for this week. And do you guys hear a phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Why, hello there, Chop Shoppers. I didn't think I'd have much to say this week since movie opinions are subjective, but I managed to scrounge up a few items. Nobody and John Wick were both written by Derek Kolstad, who said there's some potential for some crossover. I'm not sure how that'll work, though, since they were made by different studios. Regarding the Marvel game with tracks, Travis, are you thinking of a Gravitrax or a Kugelbahn? You should look that shit up on YouTube. That's some good ASMR right there. A classic horror story is Italian. The Mitchells vs. The Machine was directed by Michael Rianda, who is a fella. Psycho Gorman was first shown at Beyond Fest in October 2020, but its theatrical release wasn't until January 22, 2021. Feliz Año Nuevo! All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. And happy new year to you as well. And that will close the doors of the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. Born on the date that this will go kerplunk, January 9th, 1925. The films of Lee Van Cleef. LVC in the house. (laughs) Some people out there might be looking at their radios and saying... Who the fuck is Lee Van Cleef? And just to get a good idea in your mind, I think we mentioned last week at the end of the show, in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, he was... The Bad. He was The Bad. Lee Van Cleef. And that'll get a, a good image of who we're talking about for you. Clarence Leroy Lee Van Cleef was an American actor best known for his roles in spaghetti westerns, such as For a Few Dollars More and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He declined to have his nose altered to play a sympathetic character in his film debut, High Noon, and was relegated to a non-speaking outlaw as a result. That's harsh. For a decade, he was typecast as a minor villain, his sinister features overshadowing his acting skills. After suffering serious injuries in a car crash, Van Cleef had begun to lose interest in his declining career by the time that Sergio Leone gave him a major role in For a Few Dollars More. The film made him a box office draw, especially in Europe. So that's who we're talking about today. Do you have any thoughts on the the man? Yeah, the guy's a staple in spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he the, did a, a ton of them. The steely eyes, the high cheekbones. I think the, his face is beautiful. I think so too. Um, I think it reminds me of one of our uh, friends, uh, Mr. Bridgman. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he shares some similar facial features. I was going to say Yule Brenner, one of our friends, Yule Brenner. Yule Brenner. And then, of course, his daughter went on to pursue a career in pornography. Nuh-uh. Yeah, under the... Lee Van Cueef? Yeah, there you go. Yes. (laughs) That's disgusting. (laughs) You said it, not me. Um, That's true. Um, So many times this week, I accidentally typed Van Fleet instead of Van Cleef. (laughs) Like Joaquin Phoenix has that cleef palette. (laughs) So that's who we're talking about today. And I think that moves us right along to our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two pre-selected films that we feel would make a decent double feature and have to do with our topic at hand. And Chelsea, it's your turn to go first with your double feature. What do you got? 
So both of my movies are from the 50s, 1955 and 1956. First one is I Cover the Underworld. So it's like a journalism documentary? Yeah, exactly. Is it? I have no idea. I didn't watch these. Just wait. (laughs) And the other one is called Tribute to a Bad Man. Now, I didn't, I did not have time. It's a eulogy for Stepfaja. I didn't have time to watch these, obviously, but my connective tissue are the names of his characters in these movies. Uh So I cover the underworld. He plays a character, sorry, named Flash Logan. Flash Logan is a good name. Yep. And then in tribute to a bad man, he plays... A character called Fat Jones. Fat Jones and Flash <laughs> Logan need the to names be were great. detectives <laughs> for, for their own detective agency in Chinatown in San Francisco. I would never use the term fat to describe. No, him. not at all. That's why no, it's funny. No, he's he's skinny as a rail. All right, right on. I like the uh, I like the route that you went there. And uh, over to you, Sean. What have you got for us? I went with a couple of Lee Van Cleef's spaghetti westerns. Uh huh. And uh, the first one is uh, Death Rides a Horse. It's from 1967. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Julio or Julio Petroni, mm-hmm. and uh, stars Lee Van Cleef and John Philip Law, having witnessed the brutal murder of his entire family by bandits at the age of five. Bill, played by John Philip Law, has spent 15 years planning his vengeance. Ooh, revenge is a dish best served cold. Uh, I think it's actually pronounced Peroni, just like the beer that we're drinking right now. That's our first check-in, right? Yeah, yeah, we're checking in Peroni. Peroni, and I just realized that, and I mentioned this off mic, I'm having spaghetti tonight for dinner. Oh, yeah. Completely coincidentally. Perfect. So finding a kindred spirit in Ryan, played by Lee Van Cleef, Uh, an experienced gunslinger seeking his own revenge on those who framed him. Uh, The two team up to find and kill Walcott, played by Luigi Pastilli, a fearsome bandit on the loose. But Bill soon discovers that Ryan may know more about his tragic past than he has let on. So that you know, there are tons of tropes in this. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've got the kid who witnesses the murder of his family. He trains and vows for revenge, and then of course his closest ally has more to do with it than is expected. So, typical stuff. Nothing, nothing great. Um, okay, okay, you know. So I'm following that up with 1969 Sabata. Sabata, and this was directed by Gianfranco Parolini. Okay. And uh, this stars Lee Van Cleef. That's the light Peroni. Yes. Lee Van Cleef, Ignazio Spala, Aldo Conti, and William Berger. Berger. So you got a bunch of thieves. They rob a safe of $100,000. They plan to use the money to purchase some land near a proposed railway line. The crooks think they've gotten away with the crime, but they haven't figured on Sabata. Yes. Uh, A violent bounty hunter with no scruples and a strong desire for cash. Uh, he teams up with his partners. Now, check this stuff out. Yes. <clears throat> his partner, Banjo. Yes. Played by William Berger. And a local bandit named Karincha. Karincha. And his sidekick, Alley Cat. I love it. Uh, uh, side note, real quick. Um, when we lived in New Mexico, there was a... I, I hate to say it, He was a local, local drunk Native American that everybody called Banjo. Um, but it turns out his name was actually actually Benjamin Joe. Oh, Ben oh. Joe. Nice. And everybody's called him Banjo. Banjo. Well, Sabato's fast, draw, and quick wits make life hell for the thieves. All right, so here are your takeaways. Sabato's revolver, which did not have a barrel, 
also had two hidden shots in the stock of the gun. Hmm. So you're going, bam, 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 bam. And then you go, they think, they, you know, they think he's done. You know, he's blown his load. And he goes, pop, pop. <laughs> All right. So you have that. And then, of course, Banjo has an actual banjo that he plays, and it's annoying as fuck, but it has a rifle it hidden also inside. Has a gun inside of it. Okay. So you got that. And then Alley Cat is essentially a Native American ninja. My dad would have some questions about the authenticity of these firearms. And the oh, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's, it seems very implausible. And then you have a very effeminate villain who reminded me of, of uh, Conrad Bain, uh, the guy that played uh, the dad in Different Strokes. Okay. So anyway, uh, th- that was a fun movie. That one's on Prime. I recommend watching it because it's kind of schlocky and funny. Yeah. And not intentionally funny, but you can get some laughs out of it. I hear you. Okay. Well... My double feature, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. I did watch them, but they are bad and shouldn't even bother trying to seek them out to watch because the only way I could find to watch them was on shitty VHS rips on YouTube. And so the first one is from 1978. These are both from the 70s. And it's called The Squeeze. The Squeeze, directed by Anthony M. Dawson. We've got no rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's also known as... The ripoff. Hmm. A retired safe cracker is recruited by a young con man to return to the business for a million dollar heist. One last job. Right. And the young con man happens to be the son of his former partner. Yes. Lee Van Queef also made a movie called The Squeeze. The Squeeze. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was more of an homage to her father. Uh, the second one is called The Perfect Killer from 1977, and it was directed by Mario Siciliano. It also has no rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Mobsters recruit a convict, Lee Van Cleef, as a hitman and he seek, as he seeks out his lover played by Tita Barker and friend who betrayed him. So he's a former hitman who is presented with a opportunity to escape from prison. But as soon as he escapes from prison, the mob has him under their thumb and they make him work as a hitman for them. He doesn't like the job. So he just skips town and now they're after him and he's trying to find this girl. Uh, Once again, not a great movie. I don't recommend it, but they're both from the seventies and they're both about old timey crooks pulling down one last job. So I think that wraps us up on the Midnight Double Feature for this week, bringing us to our feature segment, which is the recast. Now, this is where we take a film that is within our subject at hand, this week being Lee Van Cleef, Cleef Sean. And we talk about it a little bit, and then we hypothetically recast it with contemporary actors and the first one we're going with the the obvious the um the most well-known movie that he's from and that is going to be the good the bad and the ugly directed by sergio leone is it leone or leone i don't know uh 1966 and it's got a 97 percent on rotten tomatoes very good film sean and i we've both seen this before but did not remember it being three hours long right or you were saying that you i've only ever seen i've only ever seen like the finale okay and Um, i was shocked that it was three hours long so it is the third installment in the dollars trilogy uh from leone and it's also known as the man with no name trilogy and it was interesting to me that in the first film he's kind of a lone gunman in the second film it's two 
leading actors. And and the move the first movie is an hour and a half. Second movie is two hours and nineteen. Nah. Third movie you've got three leads: the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's three hours long. It was a very uh, consistent progression in casting and duration. Uh, so, in the Southwest during the Civil War, a mysterious stranger, Joe, played by Clint Eastwood, although some people call him different things, some people don't call him anything at all, and a Mexican outlaw, Tuco, played by Eli Wallach, uh, from, form an uneasy relationship uneasy partnership joe turns in the bandit for a reward money then rescues him just as he's being hanged when joe's shot at the noose goes awry during one escape a furious tuco tries to have him murdered the men reteam abruptly however to beat out a sadistic criminal and the union army to find twenty thousand dollars that a soldier has buried in the desert is that about the gist of it? And the sadistic criminal is played by Lee Van Cleef. He's Angel Eyes or the Bad, right? That mm-hmm. sums it up. All right. So um, I had seen this before. I didn't rewatch it in its entirety. I did. I did watch some clips, and I think it, in at least in my memory and my current opinion, it really holds up. I like this movie a lot, despite the length. Um, I think it's Eli Wallach's movie. Hundred uh-huh. percent. That this is Tuco's movie. Uh, he has the the character. The only is the only character that has depth and development. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint Eastwood's character and Lee Van Cleef's characters, as I said in my review, could easily be played by cardboard cutouts. Uh-huh. I think there might be seven lines of dialogue between the two of them. I mean, there's really not a lot there. Yeah. Well, the the Clint Eastwood character throughout most throughout all three of these has very little dialogue but lee van cleef throughout his career has very little yeah dialogue. exactly i mean that, that's part of the uh, the archetype and mm-hmm. the stereotype of the you know don't say a lot and just the tough guy just kick ass yeah exactly so i really was drawn towards uh tuco's character just because there was more there to get into right on Chelsea, any thoughts before we get into recasting? I really liked it. Yeah? I'd never seen it before until this That week. was your first Spaghetti Western, right? No. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, all right, the roles that we're going to recast. First, we've got The Good, played by Clint Eastwood. He was 36 at the time. And then we've got The Bad, played by Lee Van Cleef. He was 41. And then The Ugly, Tuco. Played by Eli Wallach, who was 51 at the time. And Chelsea, who was your pick for The Good? I mean, this is just low-hanging fruit. I'm oh. so sorry. Uh, he was in Suicide Squad, uh-huh. the one of the Fast and the Furious, Pacific Rim. I went with Scott Eastwood. Who was he in Suicide Squad? I don't know. He's just up here something oh not the suicide no squad. Suicide, suicide squad, squad. nobody remembers that yeah shit. nobody exactly. does all right nice nice job uh over to you sean i went with an actor who's a little bit older uh but is pretty badass um he was in the power rangers movie uh-huh he was in the lincoln lawyer and he was in why him i went with brian cranston you went with brian cranston i did interesting all right well um <clears throat> I think all of my three picks are consistent age-wise. 36 now. He's in... I don't know how I found this guy. He's in A Very Country Christmas, Cross Country Christmas, and A Very Country Wedding. His name is Grayston Holt. Grayston Holt. Okay. He's going to be the good. And he's just kind of like brooding and standing there. 
He doesn't have to say much. Yeah, it doesn't have to say much. Oh, it's not this one. It's one of the earlier ones, A Fistful of Dollars. I think I said, I never realized how directly Back to the Future 3 was parodying the climax of this movie. All right, next we've got The Bad, played by Lee Van Cleef. He was 41 at the time. Chelsea, what are you thinking for this? So I love his face. I love his face so Mm -hmm. much. It's so interesting. It's so pretty. And this actor came to mind immediately just because I also love his face. It's really interesting. It's kind of odd. Um, I'm going to screw up his last name. I'm sorry. You would know him from Criminal Minds. I went with Matthew Gray. Gubbler? Gubbler? Oh, Matthew Gray. Gubbler. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think anybody would have trouble with that. He just has a really interesting face. Yeah, no, he does. That's interesting. That's and he is kind of lanky. Yes, uh, they're similar body types. Interesting. Okay. Right on. Over to you, Sean. So I think that the good and the bad are two sides of the same coin. Oh, Uh, like Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever? No. (laughs) Uh, But there's not a lot separating the two of them. Um, So my actor, uh, he was in Godzilla. He was in uh, Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. And he was in Argo. Argo, fuck yourself. I went with Brian Cranston. You went... Whoa, dude. Whoa. Meta. I want to see him playing both of the roles because I think it would be cool. But one of them he plays a la Breaking Bad and one of them he plays a la Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, Come on. Well, the thought did cross my mind about how Breaking Bad, he was the good guy and turned into the bad guy. And I think that is where I kind of drew my inspiration. And obviously in Malcolm in the Middle, he started out as a sadistic villain and then turned into a loving father. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My pick for the bad uh, speaking of sitcoms, this guy is 41 now. Uh, he's in Handy Manny. He's on NCIS. He's in the movie as a voice actor in Encanto, which I have yet to see. And he was uh, Fez on that 70s show. His name is Wilmer Valderrama. Nice. Wilmer Valderrama is going to be my Lee Van Cleef in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Speaking of ugly, we got one more one more role. It's Tuco. And I just just heard today, maybe speaking of Breaking Bad, was there a character on Breaking Bad named Tuco? Yes. And is it a direct reference to this? I don't think so. He was just one of the early drug, it's drug just criminals. Just a Hispanic name, Travis. Yeah, I think he was just one of the early drug criminals. Okay. And so uh, he was played by Eli Wallach, who surprising to me was the oldest of the three. He was 51 at the time. And Chelsea, what have you got for this one? So I I agree with Sean that this character obviously had depth and, you know, mm-hmm. more development. But there was also just something about him that made my heart and soul so happy. It was like being at Disneyland, kind of. I don't it was know. like a Geppetto moment? Ew, no, it wasn't fucking gross. Oh, sorry. Is Geppetto gross? Oh, okay. I got you. Go ahead. So you were yeah. you're at Disneyland and? Um, so I picked an actor that made me feel the same way. You'd know him from The Office. He plays Kevin. I'm not even going to attempt to say this last name. Really? Baumgartner. Thank you. Brian. Brian Baumgartner. But Kevin. Uh, he's going to spill chili all over the <laughs> desert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
All right. That's good. That's a good pick. I like how you went with a humorous one because I'm I'm kind of doing the same thing with my with my uh, last one as well. But Sean, who have you got for All us? All right, taking my cue from uh, the actual casting of the movie, I went with a non-Latino actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is 50 years old now, and he has been in films such as uh, Never Been Kissed, uh, the Scream series, and Eight-Legged Freaks. I went with David Arquette. David Arquette, dude, yes, yeah, I can see it. I like that face value, dude. David Arquette today yeah. looks like Eli Wallach. I was worried that you were going to pick the same thing as me because I kind of took a similar approach. I went with a uh, non-Hispanic actor, and he is the same age. He's fifty-one now, um, and he does kind of have that deranged quality to, that I think the that you're going for and I was going for as well. Uh, he is in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Ah. He, he was in Almost Famous, Mall Rats. His name is Jason Lee. That's a Jason good pick. Jason Lee yeah, is like going to be my too. Tuco. Yeah, I could see both of those guys pulling yep. that off. For not, sure. not mine. But not, not yours, Chelsea's Chelsea. Though. <laughs> I could see, see Baumgartner. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm not that ugly (laughs) that's good (laughs) that is excellent all right so uh final thoughts on the good the bad and the ugly it's great see it if you haven't it's a great movie so good if you um feel like devoting some six and a half hours of your life watch all three Watch the uh, the Dollars trilogy or the Man with No Name trilogy. I think that even though they they are standalone, they have a through theme. All right. So with that, we're gonna head into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some spaghetti and cleef bars. <laughs> The it's, fuck is a cliff? It's pronounced bar. cliff. Cliff bar. Oh. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop, with Travisito, the brew boss. And me, Chelsea, the regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All, All morning, morning long. long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the Chop Shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah! hallelujah. Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! 
Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger... Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ... Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemajobshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's, He's out, out of, of his mind. mind! Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to... Watch Chop Retrofit. <laughs> And we are back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. Sean just had to ice the yard. <laughs> it's, it's gotten a little bit chilly tonight here in our little burg. Uh, we have had very erratic weather lately, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was definitely. Boiling, boiling hot last week. A couple days ago, we got up to 80. Tonight, it's going to get in, down into the 20s. Uh, so enjoy that seasonal sniffles uh so uh when we come back from intermission sean what do we like to do beer check-ins what do we have this week i have uh more beer from resident culture nice uh my lovely wife michelle and i got to go there while we were up in charlotte this is pj party a hoppy pilsner pj party and this is like what you drink at a at a sleepover Yes, a little pajama party. Yeah. Give me the style again. It's Hoppy Pilsner. Hoppy Pilsner. Okay, I was going to say it's very dry. Yep, dry. It's nice and almost clear. Not quite clear, but... Uh, Fairly. Got a little little hot bite to it. It's nice. And once again, for <clears throat> Chelsea on Untapped, what's the name of this again? PJ Party by P- Resident Culture. PJ Party. 5%. Yeah, okay. 5%. Just so it's nice and nice and sessionable. Mm-hmm. So while we enjoy that, let's get into the first edition of the 2022 Movie Marathon. Yes. This is where throughout the calendar year, we try to watch as many films as we can, and we check them in somewhere, somehow, with the hashtag 2022 Movie Marathon, and the clock reset recently. It is the seventh day of the year as of this recording. We're one week in, and I'm on number nine. So am I. Number nine. Oh, cool. I'm on on number three. Number three. All right. So I always have this weird anxiety on the first check-in of New Year's Day, putting that hashtag zero one you know, it's, I do too. It, it's a I terrible feel feeling. It's a it's, weird it's, feeling. It's very daunting. Uh-huh. I don't like it. <clears> and like, then of oh, course, here we go again. I have several typos where I almost typed 2021 again. Yep. And I even checked some in out of order. So it's uh, just been, that's hey. off to a rocky start. That's how it goes. <laughs> All right. So, um, Chelsea, you said you're on three. Is there one that you'd like to talk about? No. 
No, you don't have. Is there one that you would be willing to talk about? No. <laughs> All right. It's not anything. All right. Over to you, Sean. What's your first check in for this? All right. This week? I'm, I'm going to check in one that I talked about uh, as one of the films I wanted to see when we were reviewing our top 21 of 21 because mm-hmm. I heard some great things about it. It's called The Worst Person in the World. It's okay. A, it's a Norwegian film about a 20 something girl i've heard of this and it's on a lot of lists bouncing around relationships and Mm -hmm. what have you there are some clever elements to it but for me at someone who's kind of approaching their 50s i felt a huge generational gap between myself and And the the actor because i thought that she was one of these self-centered center of the universe type people and every decision that she made may make her feel like the worst person in the world but um, so i was going to ask is it about um the kind of like aloofness that leads to self-doubt when people criticize you or no it's more about just you make some mistakes you make some decisions that are possibly regrettable Uh and I just felt it was a little just I don't I don't know I just I didn't I didn't quite feel it you know I just kind of I was so detached from the subject matter and I the whole time I was just like grow the fuck up just just yeah. grow up you know and and unfortunately I think that's just the way it is as you get older you see mm-hmm. things differently Joey uh, Poole actually commented on my check in and he says I feel the same way about even some movies that I liked when I was younger yep. I watched them again and I'm like holy shit these people are just narcissistic and right. totally just heads up their own ass Okay but is that a generational thing or is she just a terrible person that no, you can't relate li- no, to I, little column A little column B <laughs> I don't think she's that terrible I think she just I think she does have some some self-doubt in terms of the the decisions that she's made so this is not the um film adaptation of you're the worst no (laughs) i wish it was though because i really enjoyed that show that was a good show all right so i'm kind of cheating with my first check-in because technically this is a 2021 movie marathon check-in this is number 368 for me i believe it was my last now hold on now i didn't know that was on the table uh so this is what's on my notes man i'm just reading the page here Producers, you take it up with the producers. Uh, number 368 is Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up, directed by Adam McKay. Loved Did you guys it. see this? I loved I thought it. it was quite good. Um, my review, another poignant satire of late-stage capitalism in America by Adam McKay. Uh, and it's not just late-stage capitalism. It's all of the... Um, what is the, What's the expression? Ostrich with their head in the ground or yeah. head in the sand? Yeah. Um, the problem isn't there if you don't look at it. Of course. Type of attitude. Um, one of my favorite parts, though, was how ineffectual Leonardo DiCaprio, his character was. Yeah. How, how he was such a pushover. I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of stretch for him. But yeah, I liked I liked the movie a lot. I think it's also interesting how Adam McKay has graduated from these screwball comedies he used to do with Will Ferrell into these almost like think pieces. They're funny, but they're smart. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm I guess I'm citing like the big short. Yeah, yeah. precisely. Um, next for me is number six. It's a film noir from nineteen fifty. Mm-hmm. Panic in the streets. There's panic in the street. This is a fitting film for our pandemic riddled world. A today. black family moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> no. Um, 
when a hoodlum kills a guy who has the plague, incidentally, uh, who, who Wait, he has the plague, the guy that he killed happened to have the pneumonic plague, bubonic, no mnemonic, mnemonic. It's like, a mnemonic device. Spelled like pneumonia. Oh, um, he had won too much money in the card game and he shot and killed him. Uh, the dominoes start to fall as an army doctor races to inoculate the killers and their associates. Bonus, uh, this is Jack Palance's first film. I saw your check-in on that. That's crazy. I, I saw a movie with him early in his career, and it's it, he doesn't even look like the same He's person. a weird-looking dude mm-hmm. early, early. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, is there something wrong with your face? It's like the bone structure. It, I thought I was looking at Rocky Dennis from Mask. Or... Um, was on the on the um, frisky dingo kill face mm. something like that yeah very of, very much a kill face yeah. kind of look to it yeah i was really kind of caught off guard anyway it's a cool one it's on criterion check it out good deal chelsea your next pick Mm-mm. okay mine is gonna be ghostbusters afterlife ew i liked a lot of it um i felt like there was enough fan service to make it not weird, except for the very It's last. all fan service. There was some cool stuff in there, too. Also, did you know that um, original director Ivan Reitman stood in for the CGI, CGI Egon parts? Yeah. Like that was him standing there? You knew that already? Nice spoiler. Oh, shit. Um, I think that it's pretty well known. Like, if you even look at the cast, right? <laughs> Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, first check-in of the new year. Plenty of references to the OG films, but with enough new content as well. Did you guys like uh, Muncher or Chomper? <laughs> no? You guys didn't watch it? I'm no. scared to watch it because... You love Ghostbusters. No, my son Holden loves this movie. Uh-huh. So I'm just, I'm scared to watch it. Okay. And not like it. Yeah, because he loves this movie. So you know that the Ghostbusters movies aren't actually scary, right? Yeah, I'm aware. Okay, good. <laughs> Next check-in for me. Yes. Number eight, another film noir. Mm-hmm. It's called Scandal Sheet. Scandal Sheet. Scandal Sheet. Um, Is that like a tabloid? Yeah, like a tabloid, like a okay. newspaper. See? Um, a muckraking newspaper editor becomes the target of his ex-wife's blackmail. He kills her, then sweats it out as his sleuthing reporter circles ever closer to the truth. Donna Reed co-stars. This film had such good squirm factor. It's like they oh. they, they start the noose out super wide, and it just gradually gets tighter and tighter and tighter mm-hmm. around the... Uh, Much like... Um, Lee Van Cleef's daughter's other film, Squirm oh Factor. <laughs> squirm Factor. I thought it was Jesus Squirt Factor. All right, no. anyway, uh, that was it. That's mine so far for the week. All right, my number two for 2022 is a 2021 film. It is Being the Ricardos. Being the Ricardos, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, this is the Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz story um, about the week in which they had a couple of obstacles to overcome uh one dealing with politics and one dealing with their family life i heard a lot of different uh, mixed emotions about the casting on this and i said that i thought that both leads were well cast 
Kidman more for face value and Bardem more for personality. And I also said that J.K. Simmons as William Frawley, a.k.a. Fred Mertz, stole the show for me. Like, he was great in this movie. Now, did you grow up watching a lot of I Love Lucy? I watched a lot of reruns, uh, mostly at my grandma's okay. house. I uh, Obviously, I know the Touchstone references, but I've seen more episodes than that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? I have not seen it, but okay. Chief Corrections Officer Dana may have a differing opinion. Okay. That's fine. Um, by the way, we've got one more beer to check in before we move along. Okay. This one's also from Resident Culture. It's called Casual Continuum. It's an IPA. It's a hazy IPA hopped heavily with Nelson Sylvan, <laughs> Citra, and Mosaic. You like that, Zake? Sipping on that, Zake. Uh, so that is going to wrap us up on the 2022 marathon for this week, right? Mm-hmm. And that will bring us into the second part of our feature segment, which is the recast continued part two. And the second movie, I think it's safe to say it's an inferior film. <laughs> you think? Yeah, maybe just a little bit inferior. It's called The Octogon. Ooh, and this Jesus. is actually a documentary about how the Octomom's husband left her after she had eight children. Oh, my God. She was also in an adult film, by the way. The Octomom. That was the name of the film. Yes. This is from 1980, Just Like Me, uh, directed by <laughs> Eric, Eric Carson. We've got a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's way too fucking too high. Generous. It's generous, isn't it? Uh, Scott James, played by Chuck Norris, a veteran martial artist expert, is recruited as the protector of the wealthy and beautiful Justine, played by Karen Carlson, after she becomes the target of a ninja clan. That's clan with a C, guys. Clan with a C. Uh, when Scott finds out that his ruthless arch nemesis, McCarn, played by Lee Van Cleef, is involved with the stealthy and dangerous criminals. He is eager to settle old scores. Soon, Scott is facing off against McCairn and the entire ninja horde, that's with a D, horde with a D, in an effort to take them all down. Sean, flesh this out a little bit for us. Okay, this movie just reeks of like sweat yeah. <laughs> and rec league weekend warriors yeah it smells um, like a uh, middle school locker room like half the time the ninja clan stand down proud boys looks like they're in a ninja training facility in the far east and then half the time it looks like they're in like the local rec center at your community and they look like the the Bundy boys from up in Oregon. Mm, like like they're trying to I raise don't like them. I don't like how you're disparaging my home state. Hey, it Oregon. happened in Oregon and they're just like, you know, starting a militia. But the biggest takeaway for this movie is the ridiculous voiceover narration from uh from Mr. Uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid himself. Lone Wolf McQuaid. That's his actual name. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's just ridiculous. Like there's an echo on his VO and it's- Echo, echo, echo. I can hear myself, hear myself, hear myself. Echo, echo, echo. It's really annoying and really mm -hmm. stupid. And then of course, there's a character who we're not recasting, AJ, who looks like a young Greg Kinnear. He really does. Uh, and sounds like him. A little bit, yeah. So is it possible that 
it was Greg Kinnear, and Greg Kinnear is a vampire. No, it's not. It's not possible. <laughs> okay, so the roles. We've got Scott James, played by Chuck Norris, who doesn't read books. He just looks at them until he gets the information he wants. <laughs> he was 40 at the time. Then we've got Justine, played by Karen Carlson, who is 35. Then we've got McCarn, played by the great Lee Van Cleef, who was 55 at the time. Chelsea, who is your Scott James? All right, so I'm doing this as a parody because Good. how the fuck else are you going to do this? So I cast Jared Kiso as Chuck Norris, but I want him to play the character Wayne from Letterkenny. Nice. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. He's going to just come in and kick ass and take care of business. And then have fucking weird inner monologues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Man, I need to watch more Letter Kenny. New season's out. It's only six episodes. All right, over to you, Sean. What do you got? Um, I went with an actor who is um, 41 years old, and I just kind of went straight down the line on my recasting. I wasn't going to try to do anything crazy but i like chelsea's idea of doing it as a spoof comedy mm -hmm. but uh my actor was in children of men pacific rim and sons of anarchy out with charlie hunnam charlie hunnam okay so he was just in oh it's a mel gibson movie that just came out called last look last look it's uh really flying under the radar by the way what do you think about that beer and I the think... art uh, the art is amazing. It reminds me of Ralph Steadman once again. Um, and I think that of the of the beers that we've had tonight, it's my favorite. Also, this is what I picked when we went to Resident Culture in Charlotte. Nice. This was my choice. Yes. So it's I've actually had it before. So handing that back to you, sir. All right. So uh, is it my turn? It's funny you went with a with a, a Hunnam because I went with a Hunan. Oh, I went with Sam Hunan. He's forty one now. He was in The Spy Who Dumped Me, Bloodshot, and of course he's Jamie on Outlander. This is really a oh. a, uh, a shout out to my lovely wife Michelle. I just drank. And Sam Hunan, he's a ginger. So woo woo. He'll. Uh, Actually, though, she says he's not technically a ginger, but he can pull it off. Sam Hunan. I tried to find a picture of him with a sword, but I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got the role of Justine, played by Karen Carlson, who was 35 at the time. And in which direction did you feel yourself pulled for this role, Chelsea? This was my inspiration. My actress was... In the Pitch Perfect movies, Bridesmaids, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, she's hot as hell now. I went with Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. That's good. That's very good. And this is a parody. So it's going to fit perfectly with your, your entire theme. That's great. Uh, over to you, Sean. Who do you have for Justine? Uh, this actress will be 35 on February 1st. Justine Bateman. She was in um, Fired Up. Ice Age, Continental Drift, mm -hmm. Spring Breakers, and Glee. I went with Heather Morris. Heather Morris. Face was she value. one of the three main girls in Spring Breakers? I don't know. I don't no, know. she. Okay. I don't think so. She was one of the cheerleaders on Glee. She yeah. married uh, Santana, the one that... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she um, looks just like the actress. Uh, I thought it was a good pick, whatever. 
Was she uh, James Franco's character alien in <laughs> Spring Breakers? <laughs> Look at all my shit. All right, my pick. Uh, I kind of <clears throat> like this one. She's 35 now. She was in The Hunt. She was in Stuber, The Tomorrow War, and the TV show Glow. Her name is Betty Gilpin. Yay, Betty. Betty Gilpin is going to be my Justine. She's quite good. And we've got one more. It's his arch nemesis, McCarn. <laughs> Played by Lee Van Cleef. He was 55 at the time, still kicking ass. What else do we need to know about his character for the listeners, Sean? Uh, nothing. I mean, this was... Mustache, right... beret. Yeah, this was right before he did the NBC ill-fated ninja d- drama series. The Master? The Master, mm-hmm. as I discussed on our Ninja Starring Movies Philip episode. Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> the Lee Van Cleef palette. Bringing it full circle. There you go. All right, so Chelsea, who's your pick for McCarn? My actor, I mean, he really needs no introduction, and I feel like I won at life with this. I went with Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Did you watch the new Matrix? No, I fucking refuse to watch that tire yeah, fire. I it's watched not it. good. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. It's a rotten piece of shit. My brother-in-law sent me a, <laughs> a message after Christmas. We saw him on Christmas, and I was like, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm not going to say whether it's good or bad, but let me know what you think. And he said, 10 out of 10 would not watch again. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean he hated it? He hated it. Good, good, because yes. it was terrible. I went with a 56-year-old actor. All right. Who was in Back to School? Uh huh. With Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. He was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah. He knows a thing or two about karate because uh-huh. he can sweep the leg. Yes. I went with William Zabka. William Zabka from Cobra Kai. Yes. Nice. And karate Kid. That's actually good, dude. I Thanks, I'm impressed. Man. I like that one. Well, my wow, he's really, really 56. Like he's 56. That's crazy. So he must have been like 25 in the first Karate Kid. <laughs> Something like that. I'm I'm great at math. You're you terrible guys. at math. I'm really no. good at math. <laughs> My pick is 55 now as well. He was in Black Swan, Jason Bourne, and Eastern Promises. His name is Vincent Cassell. Vincent Cassell. I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, you are. He's like a French actor, Vincent Cassell. He's in a lot of stuff. And he, I just think he kind of has that unique facial characteristics. Oh, it's, it looks unique. Yeah. All right. So um, unless you are doing the Chelsea treatment of making this a direct parody, then there's really not a lot to... There's no reason to seek this movie out. Yeah. There, there are other Lee Van Cleef movies. Oh, I do have one positive note oh. about the film. Uh, on the poster... The O in octagon is an octagon. Oh, that's clever. If they hadn't done that, then, then it would have been kind a total of failure. <laughs> I can hear the pitch meeting. So what you see we've done here is we've made the O an octagon. Which Do you get it? I don't even know if the filmmakers got it why they even called it the octagon. That didn't even make sense. It actually had nothing to do no. with the movie. Are you guys ready for a sweet bonus segment yes we've got a battle royale between lee van cleef lee majors and lee marvin <laughs> the battle of the lees yes oh my god, oh my god. 
Jeez. Uh, you, you got Lee Marvin uh, mm-hmm. from 30 Dozen. Yep. Uh, Lee Majors, who was the, the $6 million, million dollar man. man. And then you got Lee Van Cleef. Oh, man. Perennial badass. Perennial badass. At the height of their powers. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going Van Cleef. because I, I love his beautiful face. I got to go with the uh, technology and go with... Uh, Lee Majors. We have the technology. Exactly. We, we can, can rebuild him. Yeah. Then I'm going to go with Lee Marvin and we will have a, uh, everybody a, picks something different. A Mexican standoff. A Mexican standoff. Didn't we already establish that that's not what that means? Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Battle of the Lees. And with that, we want to go ahead and wrap it up. I want to thank you, Chelsea, for doing your due diligence this week doing all the things that you did, even with the uh, short amount of time that we have had available. And uh, anything you'd like to plug? Um, Jackets, because it's fucking cold. It's cold. It's cold outside. And people in um, the Northeast and the Northwest. I don't give a shit. I grew up in Canada and South Dakota. (laughs) And uh, also my co-host, my co-producer, the engineer of this very episode that you're listening to, Sean the Brew Boss, anything you'd like to plug, sir? No, I have no plugs. He has no plugs. Uh, do you know what next week's episode is? Action comedies. Action comedies. And I do have a sneak preview, question and answer for trivia. Here's your question The General, starring Buster Keaton, is considered one of the earliest action comedies and one of the earliest movies, right? <laughs> The setting of Marietta, Georgia was actually a set constructed in what U.S. state? Florida. I'm going to give you a second a second guess. We've mentioned it twice on this show. Oregon. Tonight. Oregon is correct. Woo! Chelsea for the win. Yeah, they constructed that uh, set in Oregon. Um, so that's your sneak preview question and answer for trivia this coming week, Wednesday night at seminar brewing That's seminarbrewing.com. And we want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate review and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. The subscriptions are great. The, um, ratings are great, but a review would be awesome. If you gave us an iTunes review, Oh my goodness. I'll be your best friend. And uh, also you can find us online natively on podbean.com. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. On Twitter, we are at Cinema Chop Shop. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. Our email is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Instagram and Untapped. And then on YouTube, we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast. Finally, we want to thank you, the listeners, the Chop Shoppers out there. Um, just a reminder, still get the vax, still get the booster. Otherwise, you should still be wearing that mask. And please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And don't queef. <laughs> <laughs>